You are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant. We're an evangelical covenant church located outside of Ellsworth in western Wisconsin. I'm Todd Speaker, the pastor here, and you can learn more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. In the book of First Kings, uh, and it's it's about somebody whose whose name is Elijah, uh, and so we'll we'll get into that in, in a little bit, but. I've been thinking about uh, through all this, one of the best things about being a pastor, and, and you know me, I like to use the word best to describe lots of things, but one of the best things about being a pastor is you get a unique front row seat into um, the lives of, of all kinds of different people. Uh, I was visiting um, with, with the Hardings the other day. They were letting me ride their mini bikes, and it was just the best thing. We had a meeting and then mini bikes, so can't complain about that, right? And I was telling them how much I love to get inside people's homes because for me, I just love to see where people are coming from, where they live. And being a pastor, you just you get to do that all the time. Uh, you get to be with people uh, on their on their best days, on a lot of middle days, and on some of their most difficult days, some of their worst days. And I will tell you, as somebody who is often up close to people on some of the hardest days of their lives. One blessing of that is some people, certain people, not everybody, but more people than you'd think, um, some people, even on their worst days, um, they just display this incredible faith, this incredible trust. And, and I'll sit there and I'll, I'll visit with somebody, I'll pray with somebody, I'll, I'll share scripture or listen to what's going on with somebody and whatever's going on, and they'll tell me all the things that are wrong with them. And, and I will tell you, more than you would think, people are relying on something bigger than their circumstances. Um, it's, it's amazing. Uh, people on some of the worst days of their lives are, they just show this incredible trust, this incredible faith, and this incredible care for other people. Uh, and maybe you've witnessed this with a loved one, with a family member that's gone through something difficult. Maybe it's somebody that you lost. And they went out of their way in the middle of pain and, you know, medicine and poking and prodding and challenge to show you that they loved you. If you've ever experienced that, I, that is the best thing about being a pastor. You get to see people on those hard days when uh, it, it seems like the circumstances that should make them bitter and frustrated and stressed uh, don't. And instead, all of that pressure, all those difficult things actually produces, it's like, a, it's like a diamond being made out of a piece of coal where you'd think that it would crush them. It makes them stronger and, and more faithful and more beautiful than even they were when things were going good. You know, somebody that might be a little bit of a challenge on a good day uh, sometimes can draw amazing strength in, in difficult days. Um, and it just, it, it is amazing to me because I wonder what I will be like on those days. Because it's, it's easy, you know, when, when the sun is shining, uh, if maybe not so hot, uh, to put a smile on your face. It's easy to care for other people when things in your life is, are going good. But what will happen to me in those difficult times? And what amazes me, and I don't know if you guys have seen this um, in these last months, but one thing that I've seen again and again is... Uh, people in the middle of these challenges showing up to love and care for people in ways that I, I frankly didn't, didn't expect. Um, it's pretty awesome. 
uh, people going out of their way, inconveniencing themselves to care for other people. And so what, what's on my mind is like, how do you, how do you be that kind of person? You know, for me as, as a young person, you know, I'm, I'm healthy. Things in my life are, are easy uh, compared to so many people, you know, so I'm always asking, how can I be that kind of person when the rains fall that's caring for other people, that's not waiting to get better to serve somebody else? How can I live and, and really trust in God? And so during this time, I've been turning, uh, and I just it just keeps coming up for me as I um, have been walking through these days and praying. This story of Elijah in 1 Kings just captures all of that for me. And I think it's incredible. I think it's worth sharing. So we're going we're gonna to talk through Elijah together. Um, and the first thing you need to know about Elijah, you know how I like Bible words. So Elijah's name is a combination of, of Bible words. It, it, it's kind of two, two words that they put together. There's L. You say L. So L is the word that uh, the ancient Hebrews, one of the words that they used for God, kind of like little g God. Uh, in fact, not just the Hebrews, but their neighbors uh, talked about the, the gods as, as El. Okay, so Elijah's name starts with, with the word, word for God, lower G, God. And, and Jah is a part of the uh, Israelite, the Hebrew word for, for Yahweh. Uh, so when your Bible says, says the Lord, uh, it's translating this, uh, this Hebrew word. And the ancient Hebrews didn't even want to write down uh, the name of God because that would be blasphemy. And so they would, they'd kind of, Yahweh is sort of the symbol that they would use in place of God so that you knew who they were talking about, uh, but they didn't have to say it. Um, and so oftentimes uh, in, in some uh, Hebrew Bibles, they actually just replace the word Yahweh with uh, the Hebrew word for name. It's like, and then the name, we're not going to say the name because we don't want to say the name bad. Um, but so, so, so this is Elijah's name. It's El, meaning God, and, and Yahweh, meaning the Lord. And so what Elijah's name means is, Yahweh is my God, okay? So his, his name is a statement, and the Hebrew Bible does this all the time, by the way. Uh, almost everybody that has a name, uh, their name means something that describes what their life is going to be like. So his name uh, means, it's like him saying, the Lord is my God. Uh, Yahweh is my God, and it's, and it's intentional because the story of Elijah, El Yah, is, is all about um, this dramatic showdown between uh, Elijah and his God, and everybody else who's worshiping a, a different God uh, called, called Baal, a Canaanite God. So, so if you think about the Israelites, um, this comes during a period of their history where they had a, had a kingdom together, and the kingdom was just totally going the wrong direction. Uh, if you read First and Second Kings, it's the story of things starting out really well and almost immediately falling apart, and then continuing so you can see just how much they, they fall apart. It doesn't always seem all that, that encouraging. Uh, but so, so Elijah's story is right in the middle of that story of, of collapse where everybody's asking, is God going to be faithful and will God's people turn back to him or not? And so Elijah's call is going to, it's going to kind of climax at a, this dramatic showdown between Elijah all by himself, we're going to talk about this next week, and all the prophets of Baal on the other side. And, and Elijah puts himself out there further than any of us ever have uh, under the, the watch of everybody else, and, and God shows up. We're going to talk about that next week. But today we're going to talk about what got Elijah to that place, what got him to the point where he would be willing to stand all by himself in front of everybody and, and put all of his chips on the table of, of, 
of Yahweh, his L. Um, so, so we're just going to walk through it because I think it teaches us a lot about how God makes us into the kinds of people that even in the most difficult, frustrating, and painful times can, can call Yahweh our L too. Uh, so if you turn in your Bible to 1 Kings 17, we're just going to walk through it. And it begins, uh, and, and it's funny, in 1 Kings, Elijah just sort of shows up. It's just like, oh, by the way, Elijah's here. And, and it says this, uh, chapter 17, verse 1, it says, Now Elijah, who was from Tisheb in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve. See, that's, that's that word again. As surely as Yahweh, the God of Israel, lives, the El I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now, this is important. It doesn't matter that much, but the God that the Canaanites worshipped, his name was Baal, and the main thing that he was in charge of was rain. Okay, so, so you know, anybody that works with farmers know that if, if, you're, if you're a farming community, the time that the rain comes matters a lot. And if you don't get the rain, you, you don't get the crops, right? And so in the ancient world, um, of course, you're going to want to make sure you give extra special attention to Baal, the god of the clouds, the god of, of rain. And so Elijah says, according to Yahweh, my El, there will be no rain. This is a direct challenge. And so, so he does. Elijah does what God's calling him to do. God gives him a message. Tell the king there's not going to be any rain. He delivers it. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Uh, he believes uh, God's story, right? That, that his El is, is Yahweh. And so it continues. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Yahweh said to Elijah, uh, go to the east and hide by the Kareth Brook, where it enters the Jordan River. It's a little brook off the Jordan River. He says, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah uh, did as the Lord told him and camped beside the Kareth Brook at the east of the Jordan. Right? And this is what the story is marked by. God says, Elijah, do this. Elijah says, well, uh, Yahweh is my El, so I guess I better, I better do this. And so he does. Um, he goes and sits by the river, and every day ravens uh, bring him bread and meat. And so if you're Elijah, this is, your, this is your day job. You wake up in the morning, you drink out of the brook, random birds bring you food to eat. It's a weird world, right? And then you go to bed at the end of the day. And years go by uh, doing this, uh, and so he does, right? Elijah, this is your step of faith. God says, I'm teaching you that I'm going to provide for you, right? And so he does. Elijah eats, he drinks, and... One day, um, it says the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. And every day, here they come. The birds come, bread and meat. The brook provides water like, like clockwork. But, but if you continue, verse 7, after a while, the brook dries up, for there was no rainfall in the land, right? Remember, Elijah said it wasn't going to rain. So the brook dries up, and now what, right? Uh, what are we going to do? So it continues, verse 8, it says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, uh, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. Now, this is in the heart of Canaanite territory. This is like if there's a place where people worship uh, Baal more uh, close to where Elijah lives. It's, it's like right in the middle of this. So he goes right into the center of, of that territory. God brings him there. He says, go and live uh, near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So from ravens to widows. So he went uh, to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? Uh, you know, and, and this, is, this is common in the Bible. This is sort of a way of saying, 
kind of friend or foe. Will you bring me water? Oh, you must be the one. And so she does. Um, as she was going to get it, he says, and, and one more thing, uh, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God, by Yahweh your El, uh, that I don't have a single piece of bread in my house. I have only a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil at the bottom of my jug. Uh, this, is, this is what the widow's going for, going through. She's come out uh, to get the water. She's got a little bit of flour, a little bit of cooking oil. And she says this, I was gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. This is during a, a severe drought, a disaster. And after we eat this last meal, my son and I will die. Uh, this woman is out of food. She's out of water. And she doesn't want uh, her or her son to, to pass away on, on an empty stomach. Think about how terrible that, that is, how heartbreaking that would be. She says, no, you're not going to take this away from me. I'm sorry. You know, hospitality is important. I know this is what God wants me to do, but I just, this is the plan. But, but Elijah says to her, do not be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. But make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. He says, use the last of the flour and the oil to make me a meal and use the rest. I don't know how that's going to work, but use the rest for you and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, this is what Yahweh, the El of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised Elijah. And so uh, before, we're, we're drinking from the brook. The ravens are bringing the bread and the meat. And now, every single day, the widow wakes up in the morning. She reaches her hand into the pot of flour, and there's just enough flour for one more loaf of bread. She pours out the last little bit. We buy our oil at, at Aldi. We, we're Aldi people. And so, you know, you just imagine... We always use that last little bit of olive oil at the bottom, you know. She's, she's pouring that last little bit out and just kind of shaking it. And every day there's just a few drops, just enough drops to where she can use the last little bit of flour, the last little bit of bread to make uh, a loaf of bread for her son, for Elijah, for herself. And then she does it again the next day. Every day she reaches her hand into the jar and there's just enough. Um, and you think, hey, this is pretty cool. What a neat Bible story. God will provide every day. Isn't that great? Uh, but, but things continue to get difficult for Elijah and the widow and her son because this is a time of drought. This is a time of, of death in the land. This is a difficult time to live through. So sometime later, the woman's son became sick. And you're asking, God, why? He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. She said to Elijah, Oh, man of L, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? Imagine her, her heartbreak in that moment. I thought you were going to take care of me. Why would I let you into my house for this to happen? I thought Yahweh was the Lord. But Elijah replies, give me your son. He took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, laid the body on the bed, and then Elijah cried out to Yahweh. Elijah cried out to Yahweh, O Lord my God, O Yahweh my El, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who's opened her home to me and causing her son to die? Why? He stretched himself over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Yahweh my El, please let this child's life return to him. 
The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of El, and that Yahweh truly speaks through you. Uh, so this is, this is the end of that, that first movement, that first story in, in Elijah's life, right? It starts by the stream. The brook sustains Elijah's life. The ravens bring him meat and bread. Uh, but apparently that lesson of God providing for Elijah is just not enough yet. It's not enough to carry him where God wants to lead him. And so it continues. God is not done teaching yet, right? He says, Elijah, in case you're confused about where your life is coming from, God takes away the raven and he takes away the brook, but he provides again, right? And now it's a widow reaching into a jar, scooping up just enough flour and just enough oil every day, every day, every day. The next day comes and there's enough. And so in case, but, but, but apparently this still isn't enough. God's not done teaching Elijah yet. Things are about to get more difficult because, uh, because God wants, Yahweh wants Elijah to know, and not just know in his head, but to know in his heart the reality of where his water and food and bread are coming from. He says, just in case you might be confused about where life comes from, God takes it away. The boy dies. And instantly, and and this is, I think, all of us, right? We might go through seasons in our lives where things are really good, and we're like, this is great. I'm loving life. Like, my bank account's full. I'm paying off my debts. Isn't that awesome? And then, you know, I just trust God so much, and something happens, and like, instantly, you're like, why did you betray me? (laughs) You know, like, it doesn't matter that for the last three years, you've been telling all your friends how amazing it is that God did this, that, or the other thing. As soon as that shoe drops, you're like, really? I thought you were cool, you know, uh, and so that's, that's the widow. And, and we're wondering, you know, in case you're wondering, Elijah, about where your life comes from, God takes it away. But Elijah's learning now, right? Elijah's, he's done this twice. He's had his life source pulled away from him two times. Uh, Elijah knows that it's not the ravens who provided his food, and he knows uh, that it's not the wit river that provided his water. He knows that it's not a magic jar that has fed him at the widow's house for the last few years. It's Yahweh. And so when Elijah has a problem, he brings it to his El, Yahweh, doesn't he? He picks up the boy, brings him upstairs, and desperately prays to the source of rain and life and flour and oil and ravens and people. And he prays to Yahweh. He goes to the source, not to a bird, not to a jug, not to a a plan. He goes to Yahweh. And because Yahweh isn't just the God of rain like Baal, right? Yahweh isn't just the God of the clouds like Baal. And he's not the God of life and death like uh, Baal had an enemy in ancient Canaan. Uh, His name was Mot. He was Baal's rival the God of life and rain, the God of pestilence and death. Uh, God is also in charge of of life over death because God is bigger than clouds. He's bigger than rain. He's bigger than, um, than ravens. Elijah goes to him, and the boy returns to life, and the widow believes, and so does Elijah, right? Uh, Because you'll notice in the next section that we're going to talk about next week, you'll notice that Elijah lives as if it's not jars and rivers and ravens that provide life and water. That it's Yahweh, his 
his L. Because next week we'll talk about how he stands up in front of everybody, puts himself out there, and trusts that God will catch him. I think a lot of times we talk about people as being kind of optimists or pessimists, right? You know, like some people, this glass is pretty full. Some people see this. Are you a half full person? No half full people. Wow. It's a rough life. Half empty? Anybody half empty? Anybody half empty? So we we tend to think like, all right, some people, you know, they see what happens in their lives and they're like, you know, I can work with that. And some people, they see what happens in their lives and they say, why did you do this to me? But but some of us are positive. Some of us are negative. You know, um, maybe you're neither. Maybe you just work really hard to make sure there's always enough water in this glass. Maybe it never seems quite full enough in your life. Maybe it seems like no matter what you're blessed with, you never get quite enough. But, But most of us, live our lives based on how much we think is inside of our cup. We live our lives based on how much we think we have to give. Am I, am I healthy? Well, I got injured. I don't have quite as much to offer anymore. Are we happy? Well, I had a loss. I, I, don't, have, I don't have much to give anymore. Maybe when my glass gets full again, I can care for other people. I think most of us live according to how full we think our glass is. It impacts what we offer others. It impacts how we treat our families. It impacts uh, what we do at work. It impacts our stress level and our actions. I know it does for me. You know, will we make it? Will I make it to the end of the week? Will there be enough? We're managing the water level. And, And I think we do this in our faith too. We say, God, could you give me a few more drops of water? God, could you give me a way to fill my cup a little bit more? And then I'll make time for you. When I get better from that injury, I'll visit that person that's on my heart. When I finish my work this week, I'll spend time with my kids. When I have enough money saved, then I'll, I'll give generously. We're busy managing our glass, rationing it, scraping for more. But, but Yahweh God, according to uh, 1 Kings, according to your, your whole Bible, Yahweh God, uh, Elijah's L. Uh, he's a lot less like a glass or a jar and a lot more like the, the hose hookup over there on the side of the church. He's like the river that flows from a spring in the ground, and no matter how much water spills out over the edge, no matter how much falls on the ground, there's always enough source. And Sadly, I don't have a glass uh, like that. And, and I don't think that's an easy lesson to learn in life. I think people that have a a strong faith and that can get them through anything, they've figured out that the glass isn't the source of their life, but it it doesn't come naturally. And even when we can know in our head, just like Elijah surely did, Yahweh is my L, even though we can say it out loud and read about in the Bible and tell other people about it, it's different to think about it than it is to live it. And for Elijah, it took three years of drought and loss and dependence on God to see that Yahweh was the provider. It took three years for him to realize that no matter how we dress it up, we're all being fed by ravens. Our skills, our strengths, our abilities, our our smart brains, our strategies, our ability to make money and care for ourselves and others, uh, they all come from somewhere. 
We can't create anything on our own. We've all been given a gift. And for Elijah, it took a drought, a starving family, and a dead boy for him to learn that in his heart. For him to be ready to stand in front of everyone next week, it took those kinds of things to happen in his life. And so I find encouragement, I find challenge, I think God is speaking to us uh, in those times when our glasses feel almost empty, when the illusion of our control fades away and there's just not enough to make it, and we're hurt deeply and we cry out to God and we say, God, why? I believe it's in those times that if we're willing to listen to God, that he might show us where the source is, that he might teach us how to find the hose, because it's often those kinds of experiences that feel like the end. But in those moments, I believe God is preparing us for something different. That trial or training that we're going through is training us to rely on God for the real challenge, the real showdown. James uh, chapter 1 verse 2 and 4 puts it this way. One of my favorite but really honestly least favorite verses in the whole Bible. Uh, James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Let the trials of your faith help you to find the source of life. That's what God is teaching Elijah. That's what God is teaching us right now. And so no matter what you're going through right now, um, if it's an awesome time, if your glass is full, or if it's almost empty, the next time you go through something that you can't explain and you cry out to God and you don't know how to move forward and it's not what you were told was going to happen in your life, remember that maybe God is reminding you where your source is. Maybe God is reminding you what really fills your glass. Maybe he's teaching us to rely on him so that when our moment comes, when the time comes for us to decide who will be our God, Baal or Yahweh, we'll be ready. I believe we're in our own moment like this. We get a chance to choose uh, what story we're going to tell ourselves. Are we going to keep telling ourselves the story that we've been, or are we going to learn God's story? And, and God's story, Yahweh's story, is this, that God, Yahweh, is the source of all life, that he's the ruler of all history, that he's the ultimate provider of everything. And if we start by trusting him, we might find he's sustaining us from a source much greater than anything that we can gather on our own. Um, we're invited to connect to that source. I want to invite you to connect to that source. Uh, in, in the Christian church, um, we talk about this as, you know, there's a way that we do this by just, by just praying to God, by admitting uh, our own shortcomings, our own sin, our own failures, our own empty glasses, by confessing our faith that God is the source, that Christ did die for our lives, and by inviting God's Holy Spirit to make us new. And so I invite you to pray that with me. If you've never prayed that before, let's pray together. Lord, Yahweh God, the God of Elijah, the God of James, the God of Jesus, 
Our sin, our evil, our emptiness, our not enough is great. We are empty glasses. We're tired of pretending we have it all figured out. So we confess to you, Lord, our sin. For the sake of your son, Jesus, forgive me. And by your Holy Spirit, fill me up and make me new. In your name, amen. If you connected to that source for the first time today, I'd love to hear about that. If God's working on you, if he's teaching you something right now, I'd love to hear about it. You can say it, uh, share it in the comments. You can come talk to me. You can send me an email, whatever. I'd love uh, to pray with you, to talk with you. Uh, but I believe that God is in the process of teaching us to find the true source, that our true source is Yahweh, the God of life. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find out more about us and join our live streams at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great week.